You know, we have a phrase that we use in our world today. It's called seeing is believing. But did you know when it comes to the Lord, seeing is not believing. Seeing is seeing and believing is believing. You want to be blessed today? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So much has been said about the disciple Thomas and his inability to have faith in Christ, even after he knew the tomb was empty. Until he actually saw the nail scars in Jesus' hands, he wasn't convinced. He doubted big time and was labeled Doubting Thomas. Of course, this is even after he walked with the Lord Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, actually witnessing him do great miracles. But he struggled and struggled and struggled with doubt about Christ. Are you a doubting Thomas? You've seen God do wonderful things in your life and in the life of others, but you always need another booster shot of Jesus until you grow in your faith, so to speak. Well, today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, we'll examine some key truth about how doubt can and will surely negatively affect us. But the blessings that come when we do believe those things we can't physically see are enormous. The message today is part two of the lesson called The Doubts of Thomas. It's from Pastor Jeff's five-lesson series, The Walk. To listen to any programs you may have missed, go online to fromhisheart.org, click the Listen link. First, though, open your Bible to John chapter 20, as Pastor Jeff helps us to learn to believe and therefore stop living with the doubts of Thomas. What do we learn from the doubts of Thomas? Well, three lessons I want us to talk about today. Lesson number one, it is easy to become skeptical when you've been hurt. Easy to become skeptical when you have been hurt. Now, if you look up the word skeptical, you'll find this definition, not easily convinced, having doubts or reservations. That's what Thomas was. We call him Doubting Thomas. You could call him Skeptical Thomas. It's the same kind of thing. Thomas had uh, doubts and reservations. He wasn't going to be easily convinced that this good news was actually true. Now, the thing you need to remember about Thomas the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about him. You know, it only gives him two sentences in the, uh, before this passage, only gives him two sentences in all of the scripture. It talks about him in John chapter 11, it talks about him in John chapter 14, and then it talks about him in John chapter 20. And from what John said, we can learn some things about Thomas. We learned that Thomas really loved Jesus. He really, really loved Jesus. In John chapter 10, the scripture ends with the Jews picking up stones to stone Jesus because he claimed to be God. He got away from Jerusalem because it was too hot in Jerusalem. They were wanting to kill him. But then he hears that Lazarus, his friend, is very sick. And Jesus said, we need to go because Lazarus has died and I'm going to go and raise him up. And it says in John 11, verse 16, Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, 
said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas was, he was willing to go and die with Jesus. He loved Jesus. And, and secondly, Thomas wanted to be with Jesus. The second recorded statement from Thomas comes in John chapter 14. Now, Jesus had told the disciples that he was going to go away at the end of chapter 13. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And that's when Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus was everything to Thomas. And Thomas was greatly saddened and disillusioned. You say, well, how do you know that, that he was saddened and disillusioned? Because when Jesus died on Friday and the disciples got together on Sunday, Thomas wasn't there. He distanced himself, which is a common uh, malady when you're depressed, a common symptom, you start to distance yourself from the church, distance yourself from your friends and from those who could help you. And Thomas wouldn't believe the many eyewitness reports. He was so saddened, so disillusioned, his world had been shattered. That's kind of where Thomas is. Hey, it's easy to become skeptical when you've been hurt. Second lesson, it's wonderful to know that the Lord knows our hearts. And after eight days, verse 26, or a week had passed, a week later, his disciples were inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came to the doors having been shut. They had the doors shut the first time, but Jesus just came through. He just materialized through the doors and he did this again this time, the doors having been shut and he stood in their midst and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach your hand and put it in my side and be not unbelieving, but believing. The Lord wasn't done with Thomas because the Lord knew Thomas's heart and the Lord knew what Thomas needed. Now, Thomas desperately needed peace. He desperately needed peace. And that's the very first thing that Jesus said when he appeared to the disciples, peace be with you. They were afraid. They needed peace. And Thomas, his heart was filled with all sorts of discouragement and sadness and, and consternation. And, and now he heard this report and ah, he was just like a swirling sea inside. He needed peace. The Lord comes to you and to me, the resurrected Jesus, and he speaks peace. Peace. Now, there are two kinds of peace that the Lord came to give us. He came to give us peace with God. That means your sins are taken away. You know, those who are in sin, they're, uh, the Bible says they're at war with God, so to speak. They're, they're not at peace with God because God has, uh, he has a legal uh, claim against them. They have committed acts of treason against heaven's king. And they're in trouble, big time trouble. And there's not peace there. But Jesus died on the cross. And when he died, he took away the sin of the world so that there could be peace with God. And the scripture says in Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus also came not only to give us peace with God, but to give us the peace of God. 
It says in Philippians chapter 4, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To be at peace. To know that everything's under control. Scripture says, Be still and know that I am God. Cease striving, let go, relax, and know that I am God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he wants you to have peace with God. There's no more uh, enmity. There's no more warfare and peace with God, that you experience that peace inside. Thomas needed that, and the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Irene is the Greek word. We get the name Irene from that word. It means peace and rest and well-being. The Hebrew equivalent is shalom. Thomas needed peace, and Thomas desperately wanted the news to be true. I need peace, and Lord, I need for this to be true, that you really have risen from the dead. You know, that's why God responds to your heart, and God knows your heart And it's wonderful to know that he knows your heart. He knows when you're an honest doubter, and he knows when you're a dishonest doubter. You say, what's the difference? A dishonest doubter doesn't know and doesn't want to know. A dishonest doubter doubter can't find God for the same reason a thief can't find a policeman. He doesn't want to find God. He doesn't want the record to be true. That's not Thomas. Thomas was an honest doubter. Lord, I have doubts. Why? Because my whole world has been shattered because it was all wrapped up in you, and now you're gone, and I loved you so much, and I wanted to be with you, but you're gone, and so I have these doubts, and I'm, I'm protecting my heart here because I can't handle another uh, you know, disappointment. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Unrelenting disappointment, as the Message Bible interprets that, Proverbs 13, verse 12. Unrelenting disappointment leaves a person in a state of heart sickness. And that's where Thomas was. He just had this unrelenting disappointment. Oh, I want this to be true, Lord. And the Lord comes to him and he shows him himself. Now you say, well, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, everybody's an honest doubter, really. I mean, if you're going to just reveal yourself to him, and then, then of course he would believe. Not everybody's an honest doubter. There are lots of dishonest doubters. There were dishonest doubters in the Scripture. John chapter 12, verse 37, the apostle John says this, Although Jesus had performed so many miracles in their sight, although they had seen him do so many miracles, yet they would not believe in him. What else did he need to do for them to see that he was Messiah? There wasn't anything else to do. And you know, the greatest miracle that he did, apart from his own resurrection, the greatest miracle that he did, and John is a gospel that builds on the miracles. He's got, the, the, there were signs to show that Jesus really is the Christ. And the first miracle was uh, the wedding in Cana, turning the water to wine. And then he builds from there. Well, the biggest miracle, apart from his own resurrection, is the resurrection of Lazarus. And when they saw four-day-old dead Lazarus, And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth after they rolled away the stone. I mean, the people were blown away, and so many of them began to believe in Jesus. But the chief priests and the religious muckety-muck, they said, what are we going to do? I mean, the whole whole world is going to go after him after they see this. And they plotted together, and they said, he must die. That was their response 
to the greatest miracle that he did. Although he had done so many miracles before them, yet they would not believe in him. They were dishonest doubters. Not so with John or with Thomas. He was an honest doubter and he so wanted it to be true, yet he had to see it for himself. Now, before we throw him under the bus, know this, all the disciples needed to see it for themselves to believe it. All of them did. You know, when Mary came back and said, hey, we saw the stones rolled away and we heard from an angel. He said, they said, he's not here. He is risen. And they told those words to Peter and John. And the scripture said they thought they were just nonsense. They didn't believe either until they went and they saw for themselves. All of those guys had to see for themselves. You say, why is that? Well, because our faith is built on eyewitness accounts. Peter says in, in 2 Peter, he said, we didn't follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He, he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, for we were with him on the holy mountain. We heard the utterance made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And we ourselves heard this utterance, he said, when we were with him on the holy mountain. He's an eyewitness. And all of those guys were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. You know, that was one of the marks of an apostle. Do we have apostles today? No, because the apostleship was a, was a foundational gift and office in the church and as the Lord built the church. And one of the keys about an apostle, you had to have seen the resurrected Jesus. And all those guys did. And when Paul comes along, he sees the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. That, that was a, a prerequisite in order to be an apostle. And so Thomas is one of the disciples. He hasn't seen yet, but he needs to see, and his heart wants to believe. It's wonderful to know that the Lord knows our hearts. And lesson number three, it is life-changing to believe in the resurrected Jesus. Then he said to Thomas, verse 27, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. Jesus heard everything Thomas said to the disciples when he missed out on that Sunday at church. Jesus heard, and so this, this blows Thomas away, that the Lord says exactly to him what he had said just some days earlier. He hears all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. He hears everything that you say. He is God. And all of a sudden, he comes to Thomas. And he says, okay, Thomas, here I am. You need, to, you need to touch me? You need to put your finger in the nail prints? You need to put your hand in this. Well, come on, let's do it. Because you have not only a, a, a test of seeing, but a test of touching. You're going to have both senses involved there. So go ahead, Thomas. Here I am. See and believe. You know, we have a phrase that we use in our world today. It's called seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. But did you know when it comes to the Lord, seeing is not believing. Seeing is seeing, and believing is believing. 
Now, seeing, does seeing help you believe? Yes. It helped them believe. It helped him believe. There's no record where Thomas ever stuck his finger and put it in the hole and stuck his hand and put it in his wounded side. No record that he ever did that. He saw and he believed. Seeing is seeing. Believing is believing. And seeing doesn't save you, but believing does. Believing does. When the chief priests, they had the audacity at the, res at the crucifixion of Christ, they were mocking him. And they were saying, ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. But they wouldn't believe. No matter what Jesus did, they wouldn't believe. And we know that's true because when Jesus rose from the dead, the soldiers that were watching the tomb, they saw the angel descend from heaven and roll away the stone. They saw that. And they shook for fear and fell like dead men, the scripture says in Matthew chapter 28. And when the shock and the paralyzation wore off and the angel left, then they were able to move again. And they went to the chief priests and they told them everything that happened. And the chief priests heard the account from the soldiers who had no reason to lie, no reason at all to lie. That was, a, I mean, you tell that kind of story, it's like, who's going to believe that? Okay, I, I, we just got to tell you. And the chief priest wouldn't believe it. They were the ones that said, we had to have a guard over the tomb because that deceiver said he was going to rise from the dead. And the soldiers came back and said, man, an angel descended. We felt like dead men. And he wasn't there. And they said, here's some money. You say the disciples stole the body away. No matter what the Lord would have done, they would not believe. Seeing is not salvation. Believing is salvation. You're not saved by seeing. You're saved by believing. And Thomas saw and Thomas believed. And when he saw Jesus, he surrendered at his feet and he said, my Lord and my God. Such a declaration of deity. My Lord and my God. Now I want you to think for a minute what was going on in Thomas's head as he, he longed for this to be true. And when Jesus appeared before him in all his resurrected glory, he didn't have to touch him. He just surrendered to him. And this is my Lord. And this is my God. And I see the nail scars and I see the hole in his side. See, my Lord and my God took the nails for me. My Lord and my God tasted death for me. My Lord and my God conquered death for me. My Lord and my God made a way for me. Wow, the song says amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me, and all that swirling through his head, and he surrendered. See, when you really see, when you understand what your Lord and your God did, or I might say that differently, what the Lord and the God did, then you surrender, and he becomes my Lord and my God. Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the Lord. He is God. But the big question and the question that determines whether you go to heaven or hell, is he my Lord and my God or is he just the Lord and the God? 
The devil has to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the God, and he will confess. The demons, when Jesus would encounter them in the Gospels, they all confess, we know you who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Question is, is he your Lord? And is he your God? Have you surrendered yourself to him? Until you do that, all you'll be doing is going through the motions of church. All you'll be doing is going through the motions of religion. And that doesn't save anybody. He believed. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. That's you and me, folks. We haven't seen, but we've believed. And we've believed in all that the prophets have said. And we've believed in the record of scripture. We've believed in the eyewitness testimony. We don't need to see to believe. And we are blessed when we take the Lord at his word and we believe. There's a song I learned from the Brooklyn Tabernacle years ago that says this, I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. When I heard that song, I said, that's my testimony. He's changed my whole life. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it, it, there's just been a, such a change in me since I was a 17-year-old high school senior and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I didn't see, but I heard a voice inside that says, Jeff, you're a sinner. And if you died right now, you'd go to hell and you have no basis to go to heaven. And I cried out from the depths of my heart and I said, Jesus, save me. And he did. And he'll save anybody who puts his faith and trust in him and just will surrender in simple childlike faith and just say, my Lord and my God, I surrender to you. You want to be blessed today? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. If you're one who's been afraid to put all your faith in what you can't see, we're going to ask you today to make a decision to say this. From your heart, say, I'm going to believe in you, the risen Christ. I believe in you alone for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe that you gave your life for me, Jesus. I want to be a child of God. I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Lord, I'm genuinely sorry for my sin and my unbelief, and I turn from my sin right now to you. I'm making a course correction now, and I want to live for you. I want to trust you. I want to believe in you, and I do. Lord, save me. Make me the person you want me to be as I surrender all to you. Help me to live the rest of my life in faith, knowing that you love me and you're taking care of me, and I'll be with you eternally in heaven. I ask these in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if that was a genuine prayer from your heart, you are now a child of God, and you need to find a Bible-believing church, share your decision, be baptized as a testimony to the change in your heart, and find Christian friends to help you in your Christian walk. Study God's Word and watch yourself grow in the Lord. And please go online to let us know. Go to fromhisheart.org, click the Why Jesus tab. Well, today's message was called The Doubts of Thomas from Pastor Jeff's series, The Walk. This series is available in multiple formats when you go online at fromhisheart.org, click the Listen tab. There, too, you can also make a gift of any amount from his heart this month and get the series The Next Step. Thank you for joining with us to help speak the truth and love to a lost and a hurting world. Together, we are making a huge impact for the kingdom of God. God bless you. 
We appreciate you being with us today for part two of The Doubts of Thomas. I'm Larry Nobles, inviting you to join us again next time when Pastor Jeff will have the final message from the Walk series to close out the month. Join us Wednesday for the message, No More Lies, right here on From His Heart. His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.